Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Danielle, Danielle Owens-Reed, Kristen Russo, and Vivek Shreya. Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm Danielle. I'm Kristen. There we go. The mic um, scared me. It's so loud. Look at it. It catches my voice from all the way back oh, yeah. here. Have you done these before? Yeah. Um, so we run an organization called Everyone is Gay, which online is an advice site for LGBTQ youth. And we also make videos, and we tackle funny things and also serious things, but they're still funny usually because mm-hmm. we're hilarious. And we also go to schools and tell communities how to change the world. Yeah, it's a short list. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. You can come in and sit down. There's there two seats two right seats here for you. seats in the front. <laughs> two matching. Yeah. Lovely. It's just right here, friends. Hi. Oh, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, after we had run the site for a couple of years and had started touring to high schools and college campuses, we realized that the majority of the questions had a very similar theme, which was, please, can you help me talk to my parents? Please, can you help me explain to my parents what this word means? Or can you help me facilitate a conversation because I feel like they don't understand? Um, and so the first thing that we did was look to see what was out there, and we were really surprised that there is not too much. Uh, So Danielle and I sort of talked to each other about it, and we decided to try to write a book, and it worked. We did it. That's why we're here. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, and it's called This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids. Yeah, and um, it's basically a question and answer guide. It's mostly advice from Kristen and myself, but we also wanted to include stories from parents and youth who had been through a lot of the situations. So those are in there. Some of our personal stories are in there. Um, And there is a resources guide and also a glossary for the confusing words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so tonight we're going to share the stories from the book. We're going to share four of ours. Um, And the advice we'll talk about a little bit when we do the Q&A with you all. Uh, And then the really exciting part of the evening and of so much of our tour is that we have uh, Vivek Shreya with us. Uh, And Vivek has written an incredible book, actually a couple of incredible books, Mm -hmm. but the one that we're talking about tonight is called God Loves Hair. Uh, And so I'm going to let him talk about the book and share some of that with you now. Whenever I'm dressed cool, my parents put up a fight. Ah ah And if I'm a hot shot, mom will cut my hair at night. Ah And in the morning, I'm short of my identity. Ah ah I scream, Mom and Dad, why can't I be who I want to be, to be? I just want to be myself and I want you to love 
love me for who I am. I just want to be myself and I want you to know that I am my hair. I've had enough. This is my prayer that I'll die living just as free as my hair. I've had enough. This is my prayer that I'll die living just as free as my hair. I am my hair. Hi, everyone. My name is Vivek Shreya. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Vivek. I'm so, so, so happy to be here. I'm just feeling very warm and like lots of lovely feelings. So thank you all for being here. I'm so thrilled to be touring with uh, Danielle and Kristen. I actually uh, Twitter stalked them four years ago. Um, <laughs> lots of great things happen when you Twitter stalk. So... Um, yeah, so we met four years ago around the time that um, Everyone Who's Gay started and my book, God Loves Hair, had just come out and they were so generous to sort of tweet about the book and this year we sort of got reconnected and we talked about how, um, we talked about the overlaps in our work and how we often get asked very similar questions like, you know, how did you come out to your parents and whatnot and so we thought, why not take our, our work together on the road? So I'm really, really um, happy to do that and uh, yeah, I'm going to be reading a couple of stories so here's uh, one of them. My brother and I live in a Lego world, building amusement out of unsuspecting materials. Couch pillows become forts, quilts become flower-patterned wings, and his headboard becomes a stage for puppet shows. We've also discovered a secret cave under his bed, perfect for hiding in, which is particularly useful when mom yells from downstairs, fold the laundry! But the change I love most happens when we play dress-up. We wear each other's clothes. His are smaller and tighter than my own. I like the feeling of the fabric choking my body. It's like being touched all over. I like dressing up at school, too. Whenever there's a school pay play, I beg for the girl roles. Girls get to have long, flowing hair, some days French braided, other days curled. They get to show off shiny earrings and delicate bracelets, and girls get to wear actual colors like popsicle pink and poppy red. Why should they have all the fun? It's pretty easy convincing everyone that it would be funnier for a boy to play a girl, my prepubescent, high-pitched high voice, and asset. But secretly? Secretly, I just want the chance to put on my mother's velvet emerald-colored dress. It, too, is small and tight with a life of its own. I, let her I step into the dress, and I close my eyes. I let her Estee Lauder scent envelop me and feel her like a current of electricity, both warm and fierce. I become her. I am beautiful. When we travel to India to visit my parents' family, my aunts tell me how pretty I am. I seize the opportunity to test out their observations. Maybe you should dress me up in a sari and see what I look like as a girl, I say coyly. They jump at the chance. They spread out their rainbow sari collections on the bed, and I feel like a princess as I choose the bold magenta and black one. It looks like something my mum would wear. They spin me around in the endless sheer fabric that smells like oil and mothballs and pleated a couple times at the front so it looks like an accordion hanging from my waist. But my transformation isn't complete. Bangles all the way up my elbows, thick black eyeliner, string of white jasmine flowers in my hair. From afar, my dad thinks I'm some sweet village girl. I'm the prettiest little girl in the world.
just made direct eye contact with Danielle and smiled at her. Because she knows that. Thank you. I'm proud of you, too. Okay. Um, So I'm going to read two stories. Uh, The first is my coming out story, and both of these are in the book. Mashed potatoes, overcooked stuffing, and an antibiotic-infused butterball turkey. These are the markers of the American holiday known as Thanksgiving. Unless, of course, you were at my house on November 26th, 1998. If that were the case, you would have also found a slightly tipsy wine-drinking mom, a smiling, storytelling dad, a sullen, prepubescent little sister, and me at the age of 17, clad in Salvation Army-sourced clothing, about to tell my parents that I was gay. First, some background. Until my senior year in high school, I identified as a straight girl with very close girlfriends and a deep adoration for Liv Tyler. (laughs) My very observant mother, however, had asked me countless times if I was a lesbian. My answer was always the same. No, mom, calm down and stop asking me. Then, in the fall of 1997, I met a girl. We became friends. We hung out. We kissed. We liked kissing. We did some other stuff. <laughs> I heard the giggles. I, yeah. You know what I mean. I know you know what I mean. Uh, this, <laughs> this happened a few times, and then that thing happened. That, oh, dear God, my stomach is squeezed and my heart is in my throat thing. I liked this girl. In addition to my, oh my God, I'm gay panic, I was horrified that my mother had been right all along. (laughs) As we all know, telling your parents that they're right about anything is almost impossible between the ages of 11 and 24. (laughs) I didn't breathe a word of my gayness to anyone but my close friends for almost a year, which brings us back to the Thanksgiving Day surprise. Once my sister had left the table, I began to complain about an awful translation of the Bible that had been given to me by a relative. I said something like, they make it sound like God hates gay people, but that's a load of BS. I wrote BS in the book, but I probably said bullshit. (laughs) So I always feel inauthentic reading it, you know? That's not how I talk. The mom, the mom, my mom looked up for her... That is who she is in the story. My mom looked up from her stuffing, her eyes troubled by my angry tone, and asked for the hundredth time, Kristen, is there something you want to tell us? Then it just happened. I dug my fingers into my palm, mustered up as much teenage courage as I could, and answered, yes, I want to tell you both that I'm gay. Silence. The first thing my parents said to me, and the thing I will always remember, was that I was their daughter, and they would always love me. For that, I was, and still am, very thankful. After this initial reaction, however, my mother began what would be a very long journey in reconciling her love for her child with her deeply instilled religious beliefs. The first few years were very hard. My mother and I fought a lot. She cried a lot, and I yelled even more. Through all of it, though, we never stopped loving each other. Over time, the yelling calmed into a dialogue. She allowed herself to meet my girlfriend. Our conversations progressed, and she began to ask me questions. Slowly, girlfriends were invited over for dinner, and my mother and I found common ground amid differing beliefs. The thing about coming out is that it isn't one moment at a Thanksgiving dinner table. It's a process that takes patience, understanding, and compassion. It's different for everyone. All we can do is share as much of ourselves as we feel comfortable with and work diligently at accepting who we are with or without the understanding of those around us. I took...
I took too long to thank you. I took too long to turn the page because this is the first time I've done it. So you all felt like you should do something, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, thank you. The second story uh, that I'm going to read is um, from a wonderful human named Heather Trobe, um, and the title of it is "My Teacher Said My Bully Probably Had a Crush on Me." The first person to ever get my sexuality right was my high school bully. I desperately hoped that my high school boyfriend would catch on when I told him that kissing undermined our relationship. (laughs) Uh, Or that my hot English teacher would reach out when I complimented her on her innovative use of shoulder pads. (laughs) So when Luke chased me down the hallway screaming, What's up, Dyke? My first response was not, You hurt my feelings, but why? How did you know? Luke was an old-school kind of bully. He stole my lunch money, pushed me into lockers, and called me gay. Nothing makes a teenager feel more vulnerable than sex and sexuality. So when young people accuse each other of being gay, even in my case, where it was deeply, deeply accurate, they go where it hurts the most. Oh my god, there's a cat. (laughs) Sorry, no one told me there was a cat. I know, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm beside myself. I'm thinking, how quickly can we get this over so I can take a selfie with a cat? We're good. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Back on track. <clears throat> Luke, <laughs> Luke and I met because our gym teacher, in his infinite wisdom, decided to put us on the same volleyball team. No one ever suspected that Luke could be my bully because he was a guy and I was a girl. And those kinds of things just didn't happen. When I explained to my teacher that I was tired of Luke calling me a little lesbian who was afraid of big volleyballs, he said (laughs) that he probably had a crush on me. Despite the seemingly overwhelming evidence, he did not. My parents were the only people who noticed something was wrong. When I came home from school, I went straight from the front door directly to my room. No matter how hard she tried, my mom couldn't get me to take an interest in any of my favorite activities. TV, talking to the dog, complaining. I was silent. Normally parents take that as a blessing, but my mom knew something was up. She began to break into my room at odd hours of the day to interrogate me. You're acting like you have menopause, she'd say. God, what is going on at school? My mother must have asked me that same question a hundred times before I ever answered. I was afraid to tell her what was happening because I felt so ashamed. I was gay. I had a bully. I had told my teacher, and I didn't know how to stop it. Still, it meant so much to me that she cared to ask, and ask a lot. Nagging has a bad reputation, but if my mother had never nagged me, I probably would never have told her. When I finally told my mom, she didn't freak out. She simply sat there and asked me what I wanted to do about it. I could tell that she didn't want to know why Luke had called me gay. On a deep level, she knew. Loose-fitting pants, drama club boyfriends, celebrity girl crushes. That would be a great place for Liv Tyler to come up again in them. (laughs) She wasn't yet ready to explore my sexuality with me, but she wasn't about to let me get hurt either. I would have loved for my mother to come out and say, even if you're gay, it's okay. Instead, she said, he should go to jail. And it still felt so good. We began to discuss strategy. Our plans ranged from the defensive, could I walk down different halls, eat lunch in different rooms, to the openly aggressive, should we inform the teacher, the principal, his dumb girlfriend. Throughout the process, my mom didn't take one step without talking to me first and getting my consent. 
My mother decided not to hit Luke with a truck, but to instead come into the school and form a coalition of parents who were concerned about harassment. It may not have been a gay-straight alliance or a P-flag or a chapter of Amnesty International, but it was a group of people saying something about the issue. I'm not sure what they did besides meet twice a month and scream at the principal about the terrible kids in his school. (laughs) I do, however, remember the feeling of seeing those moms walk past security and storm into his office, demanding attention and justice and more pizza in the cafeteria. (laughs) It made me proud. Something about what my mother did inspired me to action. I cried in my gym teacher's office until it made him so uncomfortable that he had no choice but to put me on another volleyball team. When Luke would point at a random girl in the hallway and ask me if I liked her, I would tell him I didn't need her. I already had his sister's number. I refused to give him my lunch money. I told other teachers that he upset me. And on the last day of school, I hit him in the face with a volleyball. I knew my mom was watching. feel sorry for the jerk who has to follow that. Um, Also, I wanted the title of that story to be I hit him in the face with a volleyball. Okay, I'm done. All right, this is my coming out story. I told my mom I was gay while we were making jewelry in the living room. I was 19, we were sitting on the floor placing weird green rocks on some sort of thick fishing line, and I said, Mom, I have to tell you something. I'm dating someone, and it's a girl. She immediately screamed, that's okay, Ellen's gay, and I love Ellen. (laughs) Referring, of course, to Ellen DeGeneres, pictured here. We only had one Ellen at the time. Um, I I didn't have much of a response after that. She asked me a few questions about the girl I was dating and suggested we make her a necklace. I think many people have that general sense of relief right after they come out to their parents. For one second, I felt like it was totally over and I would never have to do it again. But I was wrong. Not even two days passed before my mother called me in tears, begging that I not cut my hair short or start wearing tracksuits. <laughs> we didn't even have her yet either. So, just ahead of the game. Uh, While other people might have been offended by her ignorance, I was just scared. I tried to explain to her that I wasn't planning to change anything about myself or the way that I lived, but it was hard because I was only 19 years old and I had no clue who I was or who I was going to be in years to come. It took a number of years before my mother stopped asking me to wear dresses and stopped wondering if I was going to end up with a man. She asked me why I didn't want to get married, which confused me because I did want marriage, I just didn't want to marry a man, which to her, I think, meant that I wasn't really getting married. She wanted to know why I didn't want kids, but again, I did. She wanted to know why I didn't want a normal life. All of her questions really confused me. I felt terrible and lost and hurt, and I thought, she's right. What's wrong with me that I don't want to be normal and happy? Why am I making this harder for myself? This experience was in part why I wanted to write this book. I wondered how things might have been different if my mother had known the effect her words would have on me. Did she know how it felt to be asked, why don't you ever want a family? Maybe a book like this would have helped our conversations, even if just a little bit. Maybe we'd be closer now. Eventually, with the help of my friends and the rest of my family, I realized my mom's opinions were her own, that they weren't a reflection of my reality, and that I could be happy with who I was and who I am. I had to go on my own journey to discover who I was and who I wanted to be for the rest of my life, but I know it would have been a quicker and easier path had my mom had the tools to talk to me.
thank you. It's like Kristen got one, you know what I mean? So, um, so the next story I'm going to read is from a mom named Sherry who's really amazing, um, and she and her son helped us out with the entire gender chapter. She's a mother of a transgender man, and this is her story. I have a photo of my son wearing a shirt that says fabulous, F-A-A-B, fabulous. It's, you can see, but you know, okay. <clears throat> While that means nothing to most people, for me it stir- stirs up myriad emotions. F-A-A-B stands for female assigned at birth. My son is transgender. He is male, but his road to manhood has been far more challenging than, than most. It has been a long road that he has not traveled alone. My husband and I decided to have a baby right in the middle of graduate school. It seemed reasonable at the time. I gave birth two weeks after I became a PhD candidate. (laughs) Throughout Zach's childhood, I told people that if he had been born a boy, I would truly believe in innate gender differences. This kid was much more like a stereotypical boy than a girl. He was always a free spirit, never really fitting the traditional roles for girls his age. Yet he didn't fit the male mold either. While his female peers were doing their best to imitate f- female pop stars, he was, in the lo- he was the lone girl at the local Pokemon tournaments. He was Harry Potter for Halloween, in spite of how much he resembled Hermione, and oh, was he upset when I wouldn't let him get a haircut like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> we just considered him unique in every way and defended him to a world, uh, to a world impatient for him to act like a girl. His dad and I never cared for his gender exp- that his gender expression didn't conform to any set societal rules. I taught him how to negotiate shopping malls while his dad did the same out in the woods. Society tried to force him into a box marked female. His first grade teacher worried because he spent recess playing on his own, with his own plastic dinosaurs. Her solution to the problem was to have play dates with the little girls from class. I asked him if he would like that. No, I'm fine. Well-meaning grandparents said beautiful frilly dresses. I asked him if he wanted to wear them. No, I like my jeans and t-shirts. His early teen years were fraught with emotional upheaval. There were some very low times, and I was always grateful he made his weekly counseling appointments. When he was 14, he told us he was a lesbian. Well, that made sense. He seemed emotionally relieved and accepted that his, he eschewed dresses and shopped in the boys' department. It was, however, a bit peculiar when he wrote a story in which the main character changed from a girl to a boy. I didn't quite know what to do with that and simply chalked it up to his remarkable creativity. His dad and I were both accepting of his sexual orientation, but handled it in different ways. I started a PFLAG group, and he worried endlessly about our kids' safety. We went to several Pride events in those early years, me as PFLAG mom, which, by the way, is her blog, so it's important. Okay. (laughs) And his dad as the protector, who'd stand back and scan the crowd for anyone who might threaten his beloved child. College brought a whole world of new experiences, ideas, and people. By the end of his freshman year, Zach began to find the words to express his true identity. I learned all about the term genderqueer. For me, listening to him talk through and question his deepest sense of identity made his realization of being transgender easier to accept. I know it didn't come lightly. As you would expect, his dad worried about his safety even more. I can't blame him because violence against transgender people is a sad fact of life. Transphobia is still accepted even in places where homophobia is shunned, or at least isn't expressed out loud. He worries and ruminates over the transition, but he loves our son unconditionally. As the father, he doesn't receive the brunt of the blame for raising a transgender child. That honor goes to me, the mother. 
The prevailing belief is that I was too accepting of him first being a lesbian and then being a man. I was an easy target because I did not react as expected. The typical narrative for parents of transgender children include being distraught, ashamed, heartbroken, and inconsolable. Some of my dear virtual friends in my transparent support group would surely attest to that. It just wasn't my story. People close to me were concerned that I was either in denial or was pushing his transition. It was hard to express that it was neither. I didn't feel the loss of a daughter because I thought of him more as my child than my daughter. Others thought that had I insisted he accept his femininity or at least not gone along with his transition, perhaps things would have been different. Of course, they would have. Our relationship would have been severely damaged. Not having the support and love from his family would have devastated him. My seemingly instant acceptance of his transition made me a hero in the LGBTQ community and an enabling, neglectant mother, <clears throat> negligent mother to the rest of the world. The truth is that I'm neither. It isn't heroic to love your child with all of your heart regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity. It isn't negligent to allow your child to grow into their own person. It is an emotional place to be, though joy in my children, pride in adults they have become, anger at those who reject the concept of transgender, rage at the violence and discrimination of our transgender children face, and also awkwardness. I still feel awkward when I run into someone I haven't seen in several years and have to answer the question of how my daughters are doing. I know I could just brush it off with a quick, they're fine, but I can't pretend that I have two daughters. Our son turned 23 this month. He's married to an amazing woman and in graduate school to become a professor, following in the footsteps of his father, his grandfather, and me. Yes, raising this wonderful young man has been interesting. A journey I wouldn't trade for anything. Only other parents of transgender children understand the daily roller coaster of emotions. Only we know how it feels when eventually this roller coaster slows and the ground beneath our feet finally feels solid. Only the mother of a trans man can say, I gave birth to a girl but raised a man. Hi again. Um, I'm realizing I didn't actually describe what my book is about. So um, it's a collection of short stories, and um, it, they're each illustrated. Um, if maybe we could flip to the next slide, if that's okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, so um, each story is illustrated, um, and it's about my experience growing up in Edmonton, Alberta. Have any of you heard of Edmonton or been to Edmonton? Of course. Of course. Um, so I always describe Alberta as the Texas of um, Canada. So imagine being a brown, genderqueer kid in the Texas of Canada in the 80s and 90s where we had the only, just the one Ellen um, and, and just the one Katie Lang. So, um, <laughs> so this book was really important to write for me because I wanted to write something that um, sort of spoke to the intersections I grew up with as a son of Hindu immigrants um, and as someone who um, didn't grow up with children books that had like brown skin or an Indian aesthetic so um, that's what this is about um, one of the questions I often get asked when I do readings is, um, how have you seen progress or change for LGBTQ people in your life? And I feel like I'm, I try to focus on the positive. I, I, you know, I think, well, we've got Glee, we've got Modern Family. Again, those are things I didn't have in the Texas of Canada growing up in the 80s and 90s. Um, but I work a lot with queer and trans youth and in my day job and as an artist. And one of the things that often comes up is still, um, you know, kind of what, what has been read here as well is just the, the fact that 
homophobia and transphobia are still really prevalent and that there are still um, lots of queer and trans kids that grow up feeling a sense of isolation, rejection, and self-hate. And I find that so disturbing as someone who experienced that myself 10 years ago. So I think it's really important for us to remember that there is a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, This particular story is about my own experience um, in junior high and high school. Junior high has marked the sudden death of sweatpants. They've been replaced by name brand denim and name calling, which will continue every day for the next six years. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Will Jensen walks close behind me on my way to class. He's on his tippy toes as though he's wearing high heels, fluttering his hands and talking with a lisp to his audience of jocks. Is that what I look like? Do you have to be such a sissy? They laugh, and I pretend I'm oblivious. They have to laugh because Will's the most popular boy in school. Maybe if I laugh, Will and I could be friends. He kicks me, and I say sorry. He's puzzled. He kicks me again, this time timidly, like a child unsure of his own strength, and I apologize again. His friends find this funny, so he keeps kicking, they keep laughing, and I keep apologizing. I'm bound to sorry as though it's my only defense, as though each sorry holds a tiny spark of dignity. The same jocks around me by my locker later and warn me of impending dangers. Are you sure no one's beaten you up yet? You're definitely going to get beaten up in high school. Definitely. One of the brown jocks, the one who laughs the loudest, follows me into the washroom. He stands wide at the stall right next to me, making his presence known. I pee as fast as I can, focusing my eyes straight down, thinking about how our matching skin doesn't protect me and how that feels like a betrayal. I look for safety with the girls. We have more in common, like our love for Jodeci and General Hospital. I'm safe for them, too. Anyone watch General Hospital? Jagger? Does anyone remember Jagger from the old days? No? Ricky Martin was on General Hospital. Do you remember that? Um... (laughs) No? Okay. I watched a lot of soaps. Um, We have more in common like our love for Jodeci and General Hospital. I'm safe for them too. I'm the boy that they can talk to about their crushes on the other boys. Maybe I'm too safe. Mia Zinner, one of my few friends, likes to tell me how much she wishes I was dead. You know, it's only 9.30 a.m., but I just want to kill you, Gaylord. When I ask my parents if I can change schools, my dad tells me that my hairstyle is the real problem. You know, in India, boys who part their hair in the middle, like you, are, you know. So, I learn which hallways to avoid, sissy, and which faces to avoid. If you ever look at me again, I will pound the shit out of you, fucking fag. How to walk a little firmer, talk a little deeper, be a little smaller. But I can't make it stop. I catch an episode of The Wonder Years when Kevin is getting picked on by a bully. Loser, 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 fed up one day. Kevin responds, fine, I am a loser. The bully responds, you are? In shock. He never picks on Kevin again. I immediately take note and am determined to test this out the next day. Gaylord. Uh, Fine, I, I am a gaylord. You are? Bingo, just as predicted. Yes, yes I am. (laughs) Do you even know what that means? Um, Sure I do, it means loser. No, it means you like boys. Next slide, please. Um, so this is my last story for you. Thank you again so much for being here. Um, I'm going to be back for for Q&A, and uh, yeah, I won't say any more about this story. It kind of speaks for itself. I learn a lot about how to be a boy from my brother and the lessons he learns in school. Not in the classroom, but the gym change room. Lessons I miss because I change in the corner, facing the teal-tiled wall, 
so that no one can accuse me of a wondering eye. I listen intently as he tells me how the boys discuss the pros and cons of shaving their pubic hair and other regions of their body. Girls don't like Harry. He even purchases his own trimmer. I hear a sharp buzzing coming from the washroom as he mows down his legs and his chest. But I'm in no hurry to follow his lead. No one's going to see me naked anytime soon. I'm more preoccupied with eyebrows. I've watched my mother pluck her eyebrows over a hundred times. Anytime she's in the washroom, she's armed with tweezers and concentrating on her reflection. Once she spots where to strike, her hand lifts mechanically, tweezers tightening and precisely pulling the bad hair from its root. Her mind is somewhere far away. She's calm, comforted that there are things, however small, that can be removed, that can be changed. When she's summoned back by the sound of the garage door opening or remembering that she has to drive my brother to basketball practice, she puts down the the tweezers and pencils thin almond-browned arches over the surviving hairs. My own eyebrows look like a variation of Bert's from Sesame Street, two furry caterpillars forever headlining my face, so I pluck and pluck. It's hard to stop. My face is changing. My eyes seem to be getting bigger and brighter, my face narrower. People say tweezing hurts but I like the pain. Like when you floss your teeth for the first time in three weeks. I try to reciprocate... All of you are bad flossers. (laughs) I try to reciprocate with my brother, imparting upon him my new lesson. He is surprisingly dubious. When my mom tires of me constantly boring her as we head down to Zeller's, which is now Target in Canada, um, where she buys my first pair of tweezers. She splurges on the fancy gold-plated ones. She hands them to me in the parking lot. Thanks, Mom. This passing of the torch has to be a sign. A sign that she knows my secret and loves me just the same. Thank you so much. Isn't he the best? And so tall. Yeah, I was like, why does it look different over there now? I get it. Um, so we didn't read any advice from the book because we figured that in the Q&A, if there were specific questions that you had, you could ask us and we could answer them. Um, your turn. My turn. Um, so the other thing that we wanted to tell you about before we open it up to Q&A is that um, when we wrote the book, the, um, one of the biggest parts of it was finding the resources for the resource section. And in looking for resources, especially internet resources, we realized that, again, there wasn't very much for parents whose kids have just come out to them. So um, the book inspired a new project of ours called The Parents Project. There it is. Uh, That's it, the whole thing. We just made a logo. (laughs) It's going to really help parents. Um, And basically, I've been starting to say this thing that, like, I think the book is kind of the 101 and The Parents Project is the 201 because it really gets to dig in a lot deeper to these issues and to questions and things like that. Um, Danielle has been talking about something that I think is really cool as well, which is that we, in the book, we talk about how to handle sleepovers if your kid has just come out to you um, as gay or lesbian or bisexual, etc. And um, on the Parents Project, we had this incredible thing happen where we had a mother and her daughter answer that question from their experience. So there's uh, there's things like that, and we have experts and youth also right there. So we just wanted to let you all know that that resource existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I think now we can open it up to Q&A. I think we can. We, we have stools for that, so hold on. Oh, yeah. we'll, get the, we'll get those stools. We'll be... We'll We'll be right back. Okay, there's one. I really feel like I want to tell a joke, but I'm blanking. Oh, next time. What did the fly say when it hit the windshield? What? If I had the guts, I'd do it again. Uh, That's really good. Okay. 
Does anyone have a question while we're with the cords? This one kind of Hi, in the back. Are you a singer? I am a singer, yeah. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I sing with instruments. Um, yeah, I mean, I have it. I played a show a couple times here in LA. A couple, I've played a couple shows here. Um, I have a couple records, so if you're interested, you can go to the internet and download things. Um, yeah. Thank you for your question. And was there a question up here? Did I invent that? Not yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Eager beaver over here. You work on that. Hi. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I, when I, my mom found out that I was gay, found out it was not a coming out process. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a, a very reminiscent, a very long, drawn out explosion of crying and yelling and all sorts of things and now we've gotten to a better place but I don't know how to bring up that conversation again Hmm. to see how she is with it and to make sure because I have the book I have your book and I like want to find a way to give it to her and I don't know what to say besides like here you go so you've gotten to a better place without ever addressing it um or after the yelling and over time like okay having a serious relationship and having that last for several years, I think just that her presence in my life allowed my parents to just be okay with it. Mm-hmm. There are things about, like, I don't think they understand my identity versus, like, oh, my daughter's dating a girl. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's more than just the person that you're sleeping with, obviously. Of course. So, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to offend her by being like, here's a book. Mm-hmm. But I also. Yeah. A couple of people have said that to yeah, us that yeah, they're like, I really people. want to give them. I really want to give them your book, but that feels so shitty to me. Like, hey, you don't know anything. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the way to talk about it is just to sort of say that you, like, I've I've read this book and it really meant a lot to me, especially because of what we've gone through together. And you don't have to read it, but I just thought it would be cool if you wanted to read it too, because I know that like a lot happened, however many years ago, and it feels a lot better now. But there might be questions that you have or things that you want to talk to me about. So maybe you can start here. Yeah, and also you could focus on the stories, which would be, I think, a cooler way to... I mean, there happens to be advice, but like a lot of the stories were really cool and really meaningful and reminded me of our experience. Yeah. That's or you could I'd... lie and say that you put together the glossary for us and you're really oh, yeah. proud of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Go for it. <laughs> no? Any ideas? I mean, I took a... I think one of the hardest things is that it's always the onus always falls on us, right? It's like, I read this amazing essay that talked about how you can come out to your parents and then it never, ever comes up and that you constantly have to do that work. And I feel like I was always doing that with my my parents where I would talk about my lesbian friends all the time. Or So I think that that's the hardest thing. But I, I also feel like one of the things that I've tried to think about is the ways that sometimes our parents are actually trying to respect our privacy. So it's less about them not accepting and more about just trying to respect who you are and so I've been very I've been a little bit more assertive I think in terms of just like sending links to my mom anytime I see things so I think totally the approach of just being like hey I read this book that meant a lot to me and I think you would enjoy it too like it's hard but I think it's okay to be that direct and yeah, leave it at that the dropping hints of like hey I'm going to drive six hours to go see these two people speak is probably like, not working <laughs> yeah it's I, I personally think it's okay to be it, it sucks having to take I think that's the hard thing is it, it often falls on us 
but I think if you're okay with being a little bit more assertive, I've, I've certainly found that, that I've had to do that work. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to, I'm glad that you said that because it reminded me, first of all, it was good. And it reminded oh, me. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I feel a lot of pressure being up to like no, official. You, like I was like, oh, thank God he's here. I know. That was so I much was better like, oh, than what we said. Smart person. <laughs> um, but also, it's a part of it is our parents until we tell them have no idea how to talk about it. No clue. They have no clue. Which is like what's really cool about the book. Not. To, it's. A, I wish someone else wrote the book so I could talk about it the way that I wanted to. It's like so nice to finally have this resource. Um, <laughs> But it's like our parents just don't know how to talk about it until we tell them. So that's another part of it, yeah. too. Yeah, I, I don't have that much to add. Just I feel that way about anyone, even people who aren't parents. Like I think that everyone loves to have a reason to be able to talk about this. We just discovered that by having a business called Everyone is Gay. You know, what do you do? Well, um, and then they're like, oh, so I know this girl, and she's dating another girl, but that girl looks like a boy, so what's that mean? And like they, the question's been like burning inside of them for like, you know, and they just, people need to, to be able to have that space to, to ask. So I think that'll give that to them as well. Yeah. Also, one of the things I did when I was being a little bit more subtle was I talked about books that I was reading and that, like, it really impacted me. So one of the books that made, a, like, a really big impact on me was Stonebush Blues. And I talked about this with my mom. I was like, this was an incredible book. Like, I cried reading it the whole time. And then she went to the library and she took it out. And it's a hard book. It's a really hard book. Like, it's not an easy read. Yeah, and she went and did that on her own, right? So I think that part of, like... Constantly having that discussion means it creates an opening. And, like, since then, what I've found is that sometimes my mom makes a step towards me, which is nice. You know, it's like, okay, it's not just me. You went to the library and you, you took some initiative here. So, yeah. Oh, hand in the back. Hi. Hi. Yes. that he wants to talk to about his sexual exploration, um, which is great, and I love talking to him about it. Probably because you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one of the the problems that I'm finding is that he... So my in-laws are so... There's nothing about my in-laws that would strike me as these are people you don't want to come out to. Two of my mother-in-law's brothers are gay. Um, She has gay friends. The very... um, Just... There's a lot of sexual positivity and just wonderfulness about them. But my brother-in-law doesn't want to tell them that he's been dating men until he knows for sure whether he wants to be with men or women. Not hmm. because he, if he ends up identifying as straight, he doesn't want them to have known, but because he's insecure about the label being bisexual. That's wow. something that makes him really uncomfortable, and he feels like that... He doesn't want to identify that way because it's not real. Even though that's the life that he's living. He's dating men. He's also dating women. He doesn't know which he likes more. And he would be totally fine to say he was gay. And if he decides he's gay, that's that's a conversation he's totally fine to have. But he will not come out to his parents as being bisexual. And I feel like there's absolutely nothing wrong with identifying that way. And I've encouraged him to just not feel shame about this. But it's not... He's not listening to me. So what should I say to him when we're having these conversations? I want to support him and his exploration and everything he wants to do, but I also want to make it clear that like, he should he should feel good about whatever he is and whoever he is and, and whoever 
Um, so I'm going to weigh in if that's okay, really yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I I identify as bi, but it's been a really long road, partially because, um, as we know, bisexuality isn't often seen as a legitimate identity. So that one of the things I heard a lot was like, "Buy now, gay later." Right? It's like <laughs> there's this idea that you're one step in the closet, and so. I really struggled with the label bisexual. I, I, I felt like it was better for me not to identify as anything than to choose bisexual. And one of the things that, or some of the things that really helped me was hearing from friends that bisexual, so I mean, even if you say, anytime you hear him have that resistance for you to say, you know that being bi is like a legitimate identity, right? Or you know that it's it's real, right? Like just having someone validate that identity I think is really great. Also for me meeting other bi people was really really useful. So I don't know if if this is LA or, or like I'm really I'm not in touch with what kinds of resources you have here but like pointing him in directions of whether online bi resources or bi people and again he might like do this like mm, I'm not one of those cuz I did a lot of that too. Um yeah, so I think it is a really tricky thing and I think a big part of it is reinforced or created also by the LGTB community, right? There's a lots of biphobia within the community, so I think it makes it for it makes a very difficult identity to come out as. So I think whatever you can do to legitimize his identity as his friend, and it sounds like you're already doing that. I think the other thing too is also to be respectful of his journey, right? Like I, if I was doing this reading when I was 23. I wouldn't be saying, I'm a bad man, let me tell you stuff, right? So I think, like, it's okay for him to have that feeling, and, like, it's hard for you as a bystander that loves him and that, like, loves that he's a bi man, but recognize that, you know, he might just take some time before that's, uh, like, I, I used queer a lot more. Like, for whatever reason, that was a label that I really identified with before coming to buy. Sorry, I'm going to stop. And no, can, no, that was wonderful. I hope I, that sort of is useful to you in some way. Yeah, and... I, I, the thing that I'd like to add to, and I don't know if this really is like a personality thing, but thinking back on my experience with my family, the only reason that I came out when I when I came out as gay, the only reason I did that was because my mom, I had originally came out as bisexual, and my mom wouldn't let go of the hope that that meant I could meet a man and what have you. And so I just like, disc I didn't want to deal with it and I discarded it. And I really didn't think about it too much until this year because the book came out and in the book I wrote that I came out as gay and I did that because I was afraid that if I said I came out as bisexual I would be contributing to this like thinking that bi isn't, whatever. It was a whole thing. But my point is that in thinking about it and like really examining it, I, I thought, you know, if I had just like stayed the course, if I had stayed with how I identified, which was bisexual, then my mom would have had the ability to look at sexuality as a much more complex thing. And I didn't give her that. You know, I think that over the last few years, I've given her that a little bit more. But at the time, I just sort of said, okay, fine, it's black and white, and I'm this, you know. Um, and so I don't know what kind of human he is in that sense, but maybe letting him know that um, his identity being you know expressing who he is actually can help people really start to understand that that is a real thing because he's a human and that is what he is you know yeah and i was gonna actually bring up the word queer which vivek used which is like a really awesome label i think because it's a little more all-encompassing and it doesn't it gives you the freedom to still go on the journey to figure out what makes you feel okay while still identifying with the queer community. So I think you know mentioning that to him or at least bringing that up or asking him if he's thought about that as a label and also saying like 
you're just a person who dates people. I don't, I don't understand. Like, that's kind of how I had the conversation with a friend of mine, Darcy, who um, was, she identified as bi for such a long time, and then she had dated women so, like, so many times in a row that she was like, I guess I'm a lesbian. And then she started dating a guy, and she was like, I'm still a lesbian, I'm just dating a man. And I was like, okay, I mean, your identity is your identity. And then she dated another guy, and she was like, I'm still a lesbian. And I was like, totally fine you know that it's okay to be bi right and then she sort of warmed up to it and now she's in like the glad video for identifying as bisexual so like Vivek's, that's what happens it's exactly that is exactly what happened so like Vivek says it is like quite a journey but I think bringing up the word queer and you know just continuing to have the conversation and validating him are all like really good places to start also hey <laughs> other questions do we have any other questions hi hi um, this is another straight up advice question. Sweet. Um, it's funny that you guys are in town actually. Um, about a week ago I had a huge falling out with someone who I considered to be my best friend. We were oh, friends no. for about 22 years actually. Jeez. Oh no. Which is as old as we are. I was like, how? You look great. <laughs> because uh, she moved out here to LA to be with another of our best friends. They had fallen in love, like long distance, everything seemed great. And then after like two and a half weeks, she just did like the shittiest thing and just left. Just left her a note, like didn't even like say goodbye to any of us, lied and said her grandma was in the hospital, which I found out wasn't even true. And I just like feel, I felt really betrayed and, and it's been so it's been like a week now, like I said, and I just, I really miss my best friend, but I can't get over feeling angry at her for the way she handled things, and our friend's heart is just like shattered, and it's just hard to see that my best friend did this to another mm-hmm. human being, and I just, I guess I just want advice on how to either move on and forgive her, or how to reach out to her, because... I, I'm just lost, and mm-hmm. I, I was wondering if you guys have been through anything like that or had any advice for me. <laughs> I, I I think that it's two. I do. No, I do. Uh, I think that it's two things. I think that you have every reason to feel angry and hurt and betrayed because you've known this person for so long and you never thought that fill in the blank right but on the flip side for somebody to do that for somebody to like leave a note and lie about something and leave means that something's up like she you know this person is in like a hard really hard place and I don't know why but it's very likely that she needs you now more than she ever has and so I think that it's allowing yourself to be angry and even if that means saying to her I'm so angry but also saying why you know asking why did you do this thing and like really listening and seeing what she says and then if the answer is something that still makes you angry then you can negotiate that but I think giving her the chance to say why because that's a drastic thing to do yeah, it's very drastic, and I was going to basically echo what Kristen says. I think there's something going on, something much larger going on. Um, I also think that you probably, regardless of what her reasons are and how much you talk about it, you probably will be angry until you can talk to her about 
why you're angry um but being able to set that aside and being like you know when she's like aren't you mad at me i don't want to talk to you if you're mad at me and you being like yeah i am very mad at you but i also love you and you've been my best friend for 22 years so let's figure out what's going on with you and then i'll yell at you later (laughs) so that she you know so that she doesn't feel like it's just if i'm thinking of me being in that situation if you were like hey i just like love you and i want to know what's going on i would be like fake this isn't true there's no way you have to be pissed at me you know so i think like at least acknowledge it acknowledging your own anger and um and also acknowledging that you're going to put that aside because you want to be able to be there for her and just like on a personal note i i feel like friend breakups are so hard so i just like i want to say to you personally like like there's not really a lot of support around it like but like i feel like friend breakups in some ways are harder than like romantic breakups because at least romantic breakups you can listen to sarah mclaughlin and people like really sympathize with you in some way but friend breakup it like i feel like it's a very very difficult thing so i just want you to know that like this is something that happens and it's very real and it is heartbreaking and all the things you're feeling are really really valid and yeah i i hope that you have other friends that you're like venting to and that you're looking to and yeah thank you thank you all (laughs) anytime (laughs) um maybe one yeah if there is one more we'll do one more and we can do advice or like personal questions or questions about the book we don't know how what we're doing i I have another one just my mom face shirt also had something oh Oh, no what happened this is like really um my mom has an insane aversion to the word queer. Um, like, yeah. I've like tried to bring it up with her and it's it's really disheartening, but she has an extreme aversion. She's like, That is such a derogatory word, why mm-hmm. are you even saying it? And so I don't know, like maybe that's I I don't know if other people have had that experience, but it's <laughs> I, I, you know it's funny as a Canadian I hear this a lot too like I feel like queer is so common in Canada and I feel like in America it's still not as common at, at least and I've had a lot of sort of like resistance to it and I totally totally get it right like I get that there's like this history of violence and trauma associated with this word my mom actually one day called me keep in mind like my brown like conservative mom like very very like conservative called me and was like what's the difference between queer and gay and it was a really tough conversation to have but again if you're willing to engage with why that word is important and that for me the thing that I've always done especially as an educator is draw parallels to other uh, words that have been reclaimed so I often talk about how you know in in any community there's often these words that have been used to hurt people and sometimes those 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 people that those communities decide we don't want to be hurt by this word anymore we're going to dismantle the power from that word or we're going to own that word and so the example i always give is um bitch um because i won't say the n-word but like that's another one right but like bitch like there was this whole movement in the 90s right like missy elliott had a song called she's a bitch and there's all these women that like but it's also a very contentious word i'm sure there's lots of women in this room that wouldn't want to be called a bitch right so but i feel like in having that conversation with my mom talking about how language really hurts and that when people who've been hurt by language decide to own that language my mom was somewhat pacified by it I think the hard thing for parents is they don't want anyone calling their precious baby this really hard horrible hurtful word right like there's so much hate associated especially for an older generation with that word so I think explaining why that word is important to you or your understanding of it and drawing parallels to other communities that this is something that happens with language is really useful ditto I'm good yeah (laughs) should we do face shirt and plaid shirt yeah Uh, why don't we just each take one okay Face shirt. Oh, I'm so sorry. Wow. Face shirt. Uh, it's a face. I didn't know 
I was like, it's a weird cut up face. I don't get it, but I get it now because they, yeah, because they look, but they're looking different ways. It doesn't make any sense. So I've told my mom that I'm um, gay or bisexual. I actually have not um, labeled myself yet. But, um, and now. And that's okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and now I sort of want to move on to the grandparents and the outer level. Mm Um, maybe that's like a second book. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's in, in the there. It's in there. It's in the 101, yeah. <laughs> because I called my grandma on Mother's Day when I was uh, out of state. And I was oh, like, that's so nice. Yeah, I was like, Happy Mother's Day. I can't wait to move out there and meet my girlfriend. And she said, Oh, like your, like your yeah. friends. Yeah, you have good friends. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't want to like break her heart on Mother's Day. So I was like, Yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I uh, can't wait for you to meet her. And. So I sort of left it at that, and like now we're here, and they live here, and I like I want to go see them, and I don't know, really like I could put on a dress if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we could do Hot. Hot. You want this one or you want me to <laughs> go for it? I know this. I know the answer to this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, th- <laughs> I I think that. So the beauty of this is that you had a conversation where you said you were moving with your girlfriend and your grandmother misunderstood, which happens all the time with the word girlfriend. It's a thing. Um, and I think that all you need to do is, however, you know, if you talk on the phone, if that's like your way of communicating, then before you go over, I'm just, you're, the, okay. Um, before you go over, I would, I would give her a call and say, hey, I called you on Mother's Day and we had this conversation and I totally get why you thought that me saying girlfriend was friend, but actually this is a person that I'm dating and I'm really excited for you to meet her, but I, I just wanted to make sure that you knew before she came over. Then it gives you like the chance to talk about it before and then when you go over, everything is clear. But I think just use that, like just use it as your little jumping stone to the next stone in the pond of life (laughs) beautiful okay plaid shirt is that plaid or is it a band that's been sliced up (laughs) this is Tegan and Sarah um my question I is uh kind of something along the lines that you wrote about in the book and you've mentioned in um some videos before um I guess maybe I just can't hear it enough but um, in regards to, I grew up in a house where my parents weren't like they didn't practice any kind of religion, but they kind of allowed me to go to um, Christian and Catholic schools. I went to Christian grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic university, and um, they wanted to give me the option to like either decide to be a spiritual person. You know, that was my decision. Um, I feel like it's almost easier for me to come out to like my friends and my family and tell them that I'm gay. Um, but I almost have like, a really hard time like looking at myself and telling myself that because I have this constant inner turmoil of like, and it sounds so silly when I said it out loud, but the idea of I possibly might be going to hell because I'm gay. And I hear, like I say it out loud, and it sounds silly, and when I say it out loud to my mom when we have these discussions, like she almost like, she wants to like strike me. She, she says it sounds silly too, but she's, you know, she's agnostic or she's eight, she considers herself like agnostic or atheist, so she isn't. She gets mad when I say that. So you mentioned that you had um, conversations with your mom regarding this. How do you feel like it's something that you do you struggle with, or that you still think about? Um, does your mom maybe still think about that kind of thing? And how do you like over time? My mo- I think my mom still thinks about it. I don't think that there's a, a way for her. I mean, she grew up for decades and decades with such a fundamental belief in this and I know that she has been able to let go a lot of it but I think that 
I think that she looks to me, and I, I, I don't know if I'll be as helpful as I want to be with this, because for whatever reason, my experience with faith, like, never made me feel, like, I'd never, it never made sense to me personally, and I don't know why that is. I, I think that I'm, a, like, I think that although I'm a spiritual person, I also, like, didn't understand how I could ever be a person who would be in trouble, because nothing that I felt felt wrong to me, and, and there were a lot of people telling me that it was wrong but for whatever reason my response to that was like no you're wrong um so i didn't have as much of that with me um but i think first of all i want to say that it's not silly right no no i i just i know i understand why you're saying that because like in the logical sphere right but we aren't just logical people most of us and it's a scary thing and none of no person in this room knows well, I don't think. Do we have any? <laughs> I'm like, maybe there's a ghost here. I don't know. Um, but, you know, for the most part, none of us know. And it's, an un- it's a mystery and it's scary and we can't know. And I think maybe that's part of how I let go of it was knowing that, like, all I can do here is live a life that feels authentic to me and that feels good and right. And, like, if I die and I literally get to pearly gates and somebody is like, you screwed up. Like, I, there, I couldn't have undone it. You know, like, I had to live my authentic life here. So that, I think, might be the way. But, but also not, not feeling silly for being afraid. Because it is scary. None of us know. We don't know. Yeah. I was going to... I know only one of us was supposed to answer each question, but... <laughs> No, no, I just, because I'm taking up so much time. Um, I was going to say that I think a part of what is making you struggle for much longer is that you feel silly. And as soon as you can accept that and accept, like, this is what I think and this is what I'm feeling, you'll have a much easier journey through that feeling because right now you're not letting yourself actually feel it. It's like, do you, and do you have, like, do you practice your faith with, with, like, an accepting congregation? Like, do you have people around you who are people of faith who identify as LGBTQ? Um, I think that would also be very helpful because when you when you sit in a room and you say that you feel these things and you have somebody like your mom saying that's that's silly there we don't even know if there is a god like it's not lining up with how you believe but when you're sitting across from somebody who believes like you believe and they can explain to you their vision of their higher power and you can connect on that level then you have like the tools to start to reshape your own vision of what that might be yeah all right. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's so now a table is going to appear, um, and and there. Oh, Megan. Hype man. Yeah, hype man. Play the play. Thank you. Well, you are going to appear. Fantastic, right? Okay, you guys, buy your books in the front and come on. Yeah. Oh wait, we forgot to wait. Oh, go ahead. Don't move. Um, one other thing, uh, we have so we'll have we'll be signing books, which it, you can get them back there, and then we'll sign them. I draw little smiley faces on them. So, um, oh, oh no, are you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? I mean, my ego's a little. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll just keep talking, and we'll pretend like it never happened. No. Good job. Um, what I was going to say I really like your shorts by the way Um, what I was going to say is that we in addition to signing books over here um, have a little donation box Um, we are today is our first book event of our book tour 
Thank you. Um, and we have 20 more cities that we are going to. Tomorrow we drive to Salt Lake and then so on and so forth. And we end in December in Austin, Texas. Um, and we are doing this ourselves. So we're trying to raise some money for gas and what's happening? Oh, good job. She's good. Um, for gas and hotels and things like that. And we have little stickers that say like who you like and live your life. So if you donate as a little as a penny, although dollars are better than pennies, only not because of the amount, but last time I said that and we had 400 pounds of change <laughs> so like but any amount it is helpful but heavy um so any amount would be wonderful um and yeah we hope to see you over here and we'll sign things and you're all wonderful and yeah. you're lovely also if you have friends in other cities who you think might benefit from this or enjoy this um all the facebook pages are on the project the parentsproject.com yeah. yeah so please feel free to forward those to your friends you're so smart <laughs> You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Young Jesus. You can check them out at youngjesus.bandcamp.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.